This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Everybody, I'm Brandon Marcello. Um, Usually we do a roundtable, but... This is more or less across the table today. It's just Philip Marshall and myself uh, here on the uh, late week edition of the Auburn Undercover podcast. Um, this is a huge week for Auburn, as, as everybody knows. Auburn entering SEC play, going to number 17, Texas A&M, a Texas A&M squad that um, played Clemson semi-close, though the score probably actually isn't as close as what it really was. They they lost 24 to 10, scored a touchdown late. It was 24 to 3. Clemson was pretty much doing whatever they wanted on defense and now A&M comes into this game at Kyle Field as the favorite, a 4-point favorite uh, as of this recording and uh usually a home team gets about 3 points. So uh A&M seen as a team that's just pretty much a coin flip type game. Uh, at a neutral site. Philip, um, this A&M team, obviously Auburn's first big SEC test is the first SEC game. But, um, you know, I was looking at this, you know, just because of the way Florida's playing and everything. There's a chance here if Auburn can go to A&M and win and keep improving, um, they sh- they could beat everybody, I would say, on their schedule other than LSU before that last month of the season. And go into that pivotal, you know, roundup with Georgia and Alabama with one loss. And I'm looking ahead, but A&M looks like it might be the toughest game up until, uh, uh, you know, LSU potentially on the road. Yeah, I, I would say it does look that way at this point. That it's, uh, I mean, of course, you know, Florida may, they may turn around and look great, but they haven't looked great. Uh, and they, plus they lost their quarterback. So, uh uh, I think that, uh, there's a good chance this will be the toughest one. And, uh, you know, I don't want to, I've written and I've said, I, I don't, I don't think you can call it a must win game at this point, but uh, there's no question that whoever wins this game has really helped themselves. And I, cause I think essentially about the same thing is true of, of Texas A&M than it is of Auburn. The schedules are, are quite similar. And, uh, um, that, uh, Whoever wins this game certainly has has put themselves in a much better position, and whoever loses it is is really uh you know they got a they've got a, a hill to climb, and it doesn't mean it can't be climbed, but uh, but it certainly becomes a lot more difficult. Well, and, and especially for Texas A and M, if they lose this game, they'll have two losses. When we're talking about college football playoff race, 
Right. Um, they would have to win out uh, to obviously probably make it to be in that conversation. Auburn, you lose one game. You probably still have breathing room, one, in the SEC West race because of the games up ahead, but you might still have breathing room for one more loss. But um, the, the, the margin for error is much smaller um, for the Tigers um, at that point. But I, I would say for A&M, you know, for to me, I you know I haven't heard much about it because I don't cover Texas A and M. But to me, this seems like since the Clemson game last year at A and M and the LSU game that for for that matter, uh, this is their opportunity for a huge uh, win in the Jimbo Fisher era that you know catapults them into the top ten. And I'm sure it's going to be as loud as we've heard it there since uh, the 2013 game when Johnny Mansell was on campus and Auburn came in and upset the Aggies that season, it's going to be a, a tremendous environment. And having said that, how does Bo Nix handle it? Um, as one person close to the team told me, it was an interesting quote. It was, uh, he's got poise, but there's a difference between poise and noise. Um, and it's going to be a little bit different there. He's never played in front of a hundred thousand plus people. Yeah, I think it, it's you know that's uh, that's part of the difficulty of having a freshman quarterback. Now, I do believe I, I don't believe he will be uh, I don't believe he will be I don't know what the right word is scared, rattled, whatever by the noise. But the atmosphere is just different. It's going to be different than anything he's dealt with. He's not you're not going to be able to hear, and I don't think he's. I, I'm sure it was pretty loud in. Uh, in and then Arlington, but I don't think it was probably that loud where you you can't you can't really even communicate verbally with the person in front right beside you and uh so uh and you have to use hand signals and those kinds of things and it's just different and uh and it will be different for him i that's why I think it's just really 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 paramount that Auburn be able to to run the football and take some of the pressure off him uh and I would say that if he was a senior, and because I just think that's that's kind of what Auburn does, and uh, I think they have to be able to run the football. They managed to beat Texas A&M last year without being able to run it, and uh, yeah, I, and I don't think that will be happen very many times, and especially not on the road. That it's incredible. I was looking back, you know, Auburn averaged 0.9 yards a carry against A&M last year, still won. Um, there's only been two times since 2001 Auburn's averaged less than a yard per carry um, in a game, and that was last year against A&M, which they won, and 2017 at Clemson, where they still had a chance to win, and, and they lost 14-6. to Of course, I believe Jared Stidham was sacked 11 times, so yeah, that those, obviously those affected it. St- yeah, the <laughs> no rush stats in that Clemson game were a little bit skewed <laughs> yeah. because of that. Um, but, uh, really A&M's rush defense last year was phenomenal and it's pretty good this year. They're in the top 25. They lost three starters along the defensive line, but what they've got back is some good disciplined linebackers to help fill those gaps, uh, Philip. And by the way, my apologies if everybody hears a chainsaw in the background, they're cutting trees down in my backyard. I thought they were gone just as we were starting this. So, um, it's not Friday the 13th. It's not the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's just people chopping trees down, I think, in my backyard. So if you hear timber, I'm sorry. But go ahead, <laughs> Philip. Uh, uh, this defense, this rush defense, and you said Auburn's got to run the ball against these guys, and 
A&M has kind of turned the corner defensively here these last two, three years. Yeah, and, you know, they, they actually uh, they did a really good job stopping Clemson's running game except for the one long run. And, uh, of course, you can't – you know, there's, there's no exceptions, but but uh, but they did, a, did do a good job other than that. And, uh, and I just think Auburn has to uh, – Auburn has to run it. They know that Auburn needs to run it. And I think A&M needs to run it too. And, uh, and I think it's potentially going to be difficult for them to run it. So, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a pretty fascinating game. Uh, you know, I, I, I picked, uh, after tossing the coin three or four times, I, I picked Auburn to win. And, uh, I don't know how good I feel about that pick. And I, I just think it's, uh, it's going to come down to who can, to who can uh, who can run the ball some and who can and turnovers and mistakes and those kinds of things and which quarterback can be most efficient and Kevin Mond certainly is more experienced but he's also uh, a guy who's been known to be a little bit inconsistent and uh, and if he's really on then it's going to be tough for Auburn if he's not then I think Auburn will have a really good shot to win the game. Yeah, it's a very interesting game. I'm like you, Philip. Like I, I still have not made my prediction. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, part of me, this is like I've I've come down to this. Like I've got two trains of thought. This is either going to be a very low scoring game, like 14 to 10, or A and M's going to ride the home crowd, get a couple scores early, and then maybe win by double digits. Um, I, I I don't know why I feel it's that type of game. I have weird feelings every week. I don't know, but. This being the first road game for Auburn, A&M's going to be pretty hyped up. Uh, but as you mentioned, that, that A&M run defense and Auburn's run defense, both very good. Um, if if I think it's as simple as this. If Auburn runs for 150 yards against this A&M defense, they win. Um, right. Because I, I trust the defense to get the stops it needs to. They might give up big yards here and there. But they always step up when they need to, practically. Right. And I, I trust them to do that. The Auburn run game, obviously they've had their struggles this season up until last week. And Kent State's run defense is not great. They're actually dead last in the FBS after that game, after being 115th. But Auburn has shown positive signs in the run game in the second half of the first two games. And Auburn, Phillip, is starting to do some different stuff in the run game. They're running more counter trays. Um, uh, someone close to the team told me they were running maybe like they ran like maybe nine to 10 of them last year total. And they've already ran almost 50 this season. And that's really what they found a lot of success with is pulling those guards outside and letting Whitlow hit the holes and follow those blockers. Yeah. And that's become a strength for them. And that's something that works by the way, against A&M based off the, the film and everything you watch of them in these previous games. Well, yeah, I, I think Auburn, you know, they have, uh, you know, it's hard to, the game last week against Kent State. That's, I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive to rush for 467 yards against anybody. But, well, I uh, thought your 72 yard game against them was pretty good, Philip, when they put you in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you rushed for 72 yards on 10 carries. That's a nice, yeah, that's I nice got a night. Tired. I got a little tired. Ah. Or else I would have gotten to 100. <laughs> but uh, but no but but I think that's I just I you just kind of throw that one out to me it's uh uh they've uh, they've done well in second halves and not not so well in the first halves in the other two games so if they can if they can uh 
I think if they can rush for 150 yards or more against uh, Texas A&M, then they'll be in a good place. Or to use words of Gus Maldon, be in a good spot. Word, word is they could come out with some snazzy formations in this game. It makes would me, not surprise me. Um, to find a way to run the ball, not necessarily playing four quarterbacks, everybody, but doing some things to attack certain edges, weaknesses that they have maybe have seen on tape. Um, now, Auburn goes in this game um, obviously banged up like a lot of teams, but Auburn's banged up in spots where it's just, man, that's a star player, that's a star player. The good news is a lot of these guys are on the mend, and specifically receiver Seth Williams, who injured his shoulder in week two, against Tulane, landed awkwardly on his shoulder. Um, the worst was feared, you know, to be a broken collarbone, which would be just horrific for him. But come to turn, turn out, it was just a shoulder joint issue. And I say just, but those can be very, um, uh, uh, you know, affect your game as well and keep you out for weeks, if not a couple months. But Williams returned to practice Tuesday and uh, apparently did okay with it. Um, now it'll be different to see how he's feeling today. And obviously when they go through walk through Friday, when they get to A&M, but, uh, Philip, it looks like all signs are pointing towards Seth Williams playing some snaps at the very least. And I, I would think that gives Bo Nix some confidence going into this game. If, if, you know, Seth Williams suits up. Oh, I think that's huge. I mean, he is a, uh, he is probably the most unique player on their offense. When I say unique, I mean, he has a skill set that they don't have anybody else that can do what he can do. Uh, they, they can just that's uh, they can go up and get the ball the way he can, jump like he can, have the kind of hands he has, and it's he's, he is really a huge a huge huge factor for them to me. And uh, uh, and I think if he can play and play effectively, then that's you that's that's really big, and uh, uh, and I'm sure it does give. But, Bo Nix some, some comfort to know that, you know, you got a guy there, you could throw it up with 50, 50 balls and there's a good chance he'll come down with it. I think also, obviously if they can get, uh, uh, Anthony Schultz, oh, out yeah. there, uh, full speed. I mean, that kind of speed that he has, maybe the fastest guy in the college game, uh, that changes what defenses do. And, uh, it makes it, makes everything, uh, a little easier to execute. So I, I think personally, those two guys, and obviously if, if uh, Prince Tega uh, uh, doesn't play, that would be a problem. But I, I'd, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. But uh, at the same time, at, if uh, if he's not full speed, I mean, they really like Broderius Ham, and they they think he's he he's got a chance to be something special. So who knows? But I'm, there's no question you'd like to have him out there because of his experience and uh, I. I'll personally be shocked if Derek Brown's not out there. So I, I don't, I, that's not one I've paid a lot of attention to, to be honest with you, because I don't have any doubt he'll be there. Yeah. I mean, Gus Malzahn says contusion, which is a, fa- a fancy way of saying he got bruised. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, he, he's going to play. Uh, but I, I think it's interesting. You mentioned Anthony Schwartz. He's played in every game this year, but he hasn't been healthy. He recovered from hand surgery that he underwent August 5th. And uh, just seeing him on the field last week, just motioning in the backfield makes Auburn's offense look different because he's so fast. And I mean, he immediately catches your eye and it's going to catch the eye of defenses. And this week, instead of wearing like kind of a half cast where half his palm is covered, 
they're going to put a type of like a shin guard almost on the back of his hand to protect the back of his hand. But the front of his hand will be completely free from what I understand, which will allow him to have some, you know, be able to catch the ball and get some feeling with for the ball when it touches his palm. Unlike right. these previous weeks. So that's great news for them. And I think he's going to play a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a role in this offense against AM. Um, you talk about Prince Tegan and Broderius Ham. You know, if Tegan is unable to go for some reason and they use Ham, I mean, you've probably heard it too, Philip. I mean, the defensive coaches loved him yeah. oh, because yeah. he just dominated <laughs> yeah. folks last year, uh, like on scout team and stuff. Yeah. Um, and was pushing people around, and some people are like, why is this guy not playing? Um, he, he might get his shot here at some point this season, and it might be Saturday uh, at Texas A&M, but, man, depth is becoming an issue along that offensive line. You can't afford one more injury um, because you do that. Bailey Sharp's out for at least the next six weeks. He was their sixth best offensive lineman. And just what a crushing blow, oh, you know, Philip. I mean, he he play he gets a start his first game against Kent State. Does great. Does grades out eighty six percent. Has twelve knockdown blocks. Gets a helmet sticker from Gus Malzahn. Then he goes to church the next morning and can barely stand up and realizes there's something wrong with his knee. And sure enough, they've got to go in and scope it. And he's going to be out six weeks. And uh, Gus, uh, you know, Gus announced it uh, Sunday night, and I think that was. It's one of the few times I've I've sat in a press conference room where every single person went, "Oh no!" In the every journalist, like, "Oh my goodness, really?" You know, you feel so bad for a guy. I mean, you get your moment, and then that to happen, it's just it's just disheartening. But in the big picture, too, uh, he was Auburn's sixth best lineman, and now it's going to be have to be the next man up, like you said, Brodarius Ham. And then if you have another injury, and injuries happen along the offensive line every year. Boy, that it gets it gets kind of maybe messy a little bit. You have to move some guys around quite a bit. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. If you if you have another one, you you're going to be in a situation where you're going to have to start switching guys around. You got Caleb Kim who can play who can play guard or center, but is is uh, is very valuable as a center just because of the uh, his knowledge and and uh, so yeah, they can't afford to get anybody else hurt. I, I you know I. I don't want to sound like I think Prince Taker's out. I don't know, but I, I, I actually expect him to play. But, uh, but they are running short. I mean, that'll be if if he can't play, they're down to the third different uh, left tackle they've played in in what will be four games, and uh, that'd be a pro- that'd be problematic for a lot of teams. Yeah, you could see Jack Driscoll move over to left side, even um, right, and they don't want to do that. Yep, yeah. uh, but uh, you know. But we'll see. Um, I, I'm like you. I think obviously Tega's going to play. It's just that he's just got a little nagging injury that it's making it difficult for him to go through practice all the way. And but when it's game time, I, I think he'll play. Um, and as we mentioned, Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz being out there, I think that gives a different dynamic. And listen, we talked about Bo Nix having confidence in in uh you know Seth Williams. I think it gives Gus a lot of confidence too because i feel like i feel like when seth williams playing he automatically thinks we're going to try two jump balls in this game we're just going to try it because seth williams comes down with them at least 50 percent of the time and we throw two of them up we're going to get a big play at some point so yeah i think it's huge um defensively for auburn i want to get your thoughts 
uh, Phillip on. We know how the defensive line is playing. Yeah, everybody's talking about how they're not getting sacks or anything, but they're really affecting the quarterback. They're really getting to the quarterback quite a bit. Um, and I think that the linebackers have done a pretty good job pursuing sideline to sideline this year, and they've been kind of lost in the fold as we've talked a lot about the defensive line. How do you think those linebackers have been performing for Auburn? I think from from what I've seen and what I've been told uh, really well, I think that uh, obviously Owen Papo has been everything advertised, and uh, uh, Chandler Wooten and uh, Ed, Ed K.J. Britt in the middle have been really good, and uh, I mean, they've all been good. And I think, as, as, as Gus said last summer, uh, he said it's a good time to be playing linebacker at Auburn with this defensive line, and he's right. But they have certainly – they have certainly done their parts, and uh, I think that uh, you know I was I was told by a coach before the season that he thought that they would be at least as good as last season, and uh, and I think to this point that they they have been, and uh, uh, of course it's like every, everything else they're they're going to get a different kind of test this week. Uh, is it a tougher test in Oregon? I don't I don't know that. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But uh, uh, but it'll be different, and certainly it'll be different because of the uh, of the atmosphere of being of being in a, in a hostile environment. So, of course, it's not really so bad for defensive players because they don't crowds don't tend to get that noisy when their side has the ball. So, yeah, I think uh, there's one number ten that doesn't have to worry about uh, noise this week, and that's Owen Pepo. Um, uh, Bo Nix maybe does, but we'll see. All right. Um, we'll be right back after these messages. More talk about AM and Auburn coming up. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Uh, Philip, when you look at this game with A&M and Auburn, um, I, I can't help but think of the storylines. And you were here, obviously, when Jimbo Fisher was the quarterback's coach. He coached Patrick Nix. Right. And now he's about to coach against Patrick Nix's son, Bo Nix. That's got to be a kind of a cool thing, but also maybe a little frightening to him, as he kind of put it, because he thinks Bo Nix is going to be better than Patrick Nix as yeah. a quarterback. You know, it's kind of funny because he and um, Jimbo and, and, and 
Patrick Dix, who, uh, and I guess he coached him for, cause Patrick was here a year before, uh, before Jimbo came. So for three years and, uh, they had a, uh, at, at times contentious relationship, should we say, uh, they, uh, uh I think Patrick was, 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 is a fiery guy. And, uh, as Jimbo is, and they clashed a few times, but, but I, I, I think there was a great deal of mutual respect there. And, uh, uh, Jimbo certainly, uh, helped Patrick. And I think Patrick is showed, you know, he was a fierce competitor and, uh, and made some of the iconic plays and part of some of the huge wins in Auburn history. So, uh, I don't, I don't know that, uh, uh, I, I think there's a lot of his daddy in, in, in Bo Nix and far as being, being the competitiveness and all those things. But, uh, so I'm sure it is kind of weird for, for Jimbo. It would be for me and it's probably weird for, uh, for Bo as well. I, I think that there is a, I think they, from what Jimbo said, I did, I did not get to ask Bo this, but I think there is a, I think, I think Bo not, has, has at least had some kind of interaction with Jimbo in the past. And I guess probably in recruiting, maybe I don't yeah. know, but, yeah. uh, but, uh, they, uh, it's, it'll be interesting for sure. And it'll be a, uh, it'll be another, the cameras will probably be looking for, for, for Pat and Krista again. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> yeah. The stadium, so. yeah. It's good. It's going to be a common thing, obviously over the years here for Auburn. Uh, where's Patrick Nick sitting in, in the family? Uh, you know, you mentioned Jimbo and Patrick and Bo. In an alternate universe somewhere, Jimbo Fisher is the coach at Auburn coaching Patrick Nick, or excuse me, Bo Nix right now. Um, yeah. And and that would have been something too, but um, and very interesting. But I, I thought Jimbo Fisher, obviously with his uh, praise of Patrick and Bo this week, was one, obviously Bo deserves it. He's a great talent. But two, I think it shows just how much he respects that family and uh, how he coached up, Patrick coached up his son. Um, and speaking of coaching up your son, you know, we know Patrick and Bo, they, they would kind of get into it a little bit on the sidelines in high school yeah. about play calling. And we saw Gus Malzahn get in Bo's face uh, after a touchdown this past week. And I was actually sitting with Christy Malzahn. And he was like, don't do that, Gus. The TV cameras are watching. Um, and she was kind of taken aback, like, when did this start happening? And part of me thought, you know, Maybe Gus is doing this because Patrick Nix d- does this to him. Maybe that's the best way to get something out of him. Or maybe it was just such a mistake that he was really livid about. But I thought that was pretty interesting. And as Gus said, he says, I don't have to do it very often because he usually corrects things on his own. Yeah, yeah. That, and it got a lot of attention. And that's that's the thing when you're on TV, you, you have to kind of you have to kind of be careful. I, I, I think that... Uh, you know, he Gus kind of made a joke on Tuesday, I guess, about uh, that that uh, that Bo would sometimes he and his daddy would kind of be going would would go at each other on the sideline uh, during uh, high school games, and uh, he just kind of laughed and said he didn't think that was going to be an issue here. But uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, you know you got to know how to you got to know how to get the best out of guys, and I. I, the whole the whole thing was as best I could tell it was he he should have gone inside and he went outside which uh 
but that apparently was a big deal because Gus, Gus seemed to be pretty hot about it. Yeah, Gus wants you to run his offense his way, um, and as does every offensive coordinator. And it's a teachable moment because it probably won't be there against a better defense like Texas A&M, and the right read would have been to go inside on that run. Speaking of which, I think we're gonna, I think that was uh, the Kent State game was our little, or not our first glimpse, but a good glimpse of how Bo might be utilized a little bit more in the run game. Don't you think, Philip? Absolutely. I was I was a little bit surprised because. I figured they might wait until this week to do it, but I think I think they have to do that uh, to be successful running the ball. I think they have to get some quarterback runs. I think uh, I think they need to get and will get uh, uh, Joey Gatewood involved in some of that. And uh, it's just it's just not as easy as as people might think. I mean, if you you know, obviously everybody's antenna is going to go up if he goes in the game about what he's likely to do. So. Uh, um, but he, he too is a talent and, uh, it's, he's an impressive, he's an impressive young man when he gets, when he gets rolling downhill. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, Bo Nix is fast. I don't, I'm not sure people realize how fast he is. And, uh, uh, he is, a he is a running threat and they, you need to make use of that because that makes them. The defense has to devote at least one more person to to stop in the run. Somebody has to be devoted to, to, to the quarterback. And I'll repeat it: Bo Nix is faster than Joey Gatewood. Everybody, I don't think a lot of people realize that for some reason. But Bo is faster than Joey. He's also older than Joey, which is another thing no one really would <laughs> think at first sight. Um, it's kind yeah. of crazy. But Bo, Bo, I mean. He's an electric runner now. He's got the speed. He's got the burst. He's got the patience if he needs to on his own read. He's only going to get better with that zone read. We all know that when he gets in the system. But that's the untapped potential for him uh, early this season that they're trying to get ramped up now that they're going to conference play is utilizing him in the run game. And I think the first two runs he had against Kent State went for like 17, 18 yards, something like that. So um obviously something that can work for Auburn and uh I've said all along that this offense would look more like 2013 and 2014 as the the season goes along because I think they had to get Bo involved in the run game and I think now more than ever they need to just because they've had some struggles just running the ball you know up and down the field with uh Booby Whitlow and Cam Martin they gotta get some other folks involved somehow and um, speaking of which, it'll be interesting to see if they can get DJ Williams on the field this week. Yes, it will. Um, you know, Gus Malzahn shown a hesitation in the past with, you know, throwing a true freshman running back or whatever out there, especially when he's already got a, you know, a, a guy who's got some experience under his belt with Cam Martin and Booby Whitlow. But, I mean, DJ Williams is a special talent. I think we all know that. And, and I just wonder and, if he plays. Gus seems really enamored with him, too. Uh, I think we're going to see him. Uh, playing a, a significant role. I just don't know if it'll be this Saturday uh, or not. Yeah, I just don't know if you throw him out there in Aggie Land um, right. for your first college action, no matter how talented he is as a running back. You, you're wanting to hold on the ball. I will say this, though, Philip. If Booby Whitlow has two fumbles early, you, you oh, might you might man. see DJ Williams out there oh, yeah. more, even though he's a freshman. Yeah, no question. I, I think uh, – I think Booby's been been forgiven for the three against uh, Tulane against Tulane, but I think they're on the ledger though. And if uh, 
And if he does it anymore, he's, it's going to start costing him playing time. I don't have any doubt about that. Yep. Uh, Gus does not deal well with fumbles and, uh, he's given him a little leeway because he's still getting used to the position and it was too lame for one, but you start fumbling on the road at, in a big environment like uh, Texas A&M or any of these opponents coming up, your, your, your playing time could get cut down. Um, no question. And especially, you know, Cam Martin's a Texas guy and mm-hmm. we've seen Cam Martin have some success against Texas A&M in the past. So, Philip, you say you're picking A and M in this one, but close one, I assume. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's uh, unless I change my mind. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> as of the moment, yeah, no, I, no, I pick at Auburn. I picked Auburn. In the oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's right. That's what. I'm that's sorry. what I meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but uh, hey, I have no clue. That's the the real answer is I have no clue. <laughs> Who's going to win? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to watch. I think people have a much better idea of what A&M is as a team than Auburn, even though Auburn's beaten Oregon. But it's been one of those things where Auburn had to come back against Oregon. And it, it was, it was a tight, you know, it was like a top, it's like a tale of, I hate the tale of two halves cliche, but it's been like that for Auburn most of the season. It's just, you don't know which Auburn you're going to get. And do they put a full game together? We'll see. Well, the problem we got is if, if you play against, if you keep, and again, that kind of, kind of separate the uh, Kent State game. If you, uh, if you come out slow in these games, starting with this game coming up, you may get yourself, but before you, before you uh, get your feet under you, you may get yourself in a situation where you're, where it's going to be hard to come back. So, uh, uh, I mean, they were behind Oregon twenty-one to six and came back, but that's that's hard to do. And uh, I, I think that you know getting off to a, to a reasonably good start is important, uh, especially on the road. Absolutely, and you could see our staff's full uh, slew of picks for the Auburn A and M game as well as the SEC and a few national games at Auburn Sports.com. Uh, posting Friday morning. We'll be in Houston, then to College Station. If you're an Auburn fan, you're going to the College Station, you're flying through Houston, uh, be careful. There's some big flooding going on there with a the tropical system that's moving through. And I, I don't know what it is about Auburn going to Texas this season. It's just what weather's been an issue uh, trying yeah. to fly in. And uh, we'll be keeping track of that Friday as the team tries to get into College Station. But I don't think it'll be a problem. It's not stormy. It's just a lot of rain and some flooding going on in the Houston metro area. So everybody be safe out there traveling uh, if you are to College Station for this big SEC opener. My um, son lives in uh, yeah, that's right. lives in Conroe, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. And he said he had never seen so much rain. And uh, uh, there was flooding, some flooding, but not not, not in where not in his where he is, but, uh, from what I, uh, what I understand, I think it should be okay for folks about tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I hope so. It was, uh, I think I saw somewhere it was like 25 inches of rain in, yeah. in, tw- in 12 hours. That's, a, that's a unbelievable amount of rain. It's insane. And, uh, there were some pictures that floated out there of, uh, near the airport where some on-ramps were completely flooded and, uh, buses were stuck in the water, uh, trying to get out of the airport. So, uh, on Thursday afternoon. So like you said, hopefully that all moves through Friday. It's supposed to, and, uh, things will get cleared up so everybody can get into Houston and, and, and college station. And 
all points uh, close there uh, safely. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining us. For Philip, I'm Brandon. We'll see you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover. Undercover.